Welcome to the Tanner Tax Podcast. This would be officially episode number three. We had an intro and then I did a little tax uh, compliance versus tax planning. So I'm Garrett Kerner. We're in our offices in downtown Salt Lake in the Key Bank Tower, if you've ever been to Salt Lake. And joining with me today, Derek Drysdale. Thanks, Garrett. I'm happy to be here on the Tanner Tax Podcast. First official podcast. That's right. It's my first official podcast. So just to give listeners and folks um, some context. So I've been here at Tanner, a CPA firm in Salt Lake, for a little over three years. Derek joined us, um, what, last summer? Yeah, last year. And Derek focuses on international tax. So today's episode, we're going to carve out one piece that came with the new tax law that Donald Trump signed into effect in December of 2017. Before we launch, just a caveat, this podcast is not tax advice for any of the listeners. So we're governed by Circular 230. This is purely, uh, you know, exploratory, trying to explain some of the nuances. Obviously, we don't, for an individual listener, we don't have a specific fact pattern that we're trying to uh, address. This is just more from a global educational perspective. What are, you know, what is it that we're talking about? How do you go about trying to understand it? And that's what we're going to do today. So the topic that we're going to focus on, and then it's going to bleed over into some other topics. It's really hard to talk about it in a vacuum is guilty, which, you know, if you're a controller, uh, if you're a VP finance, if you're even a potential owner of a company that does multinational uh, work, you, you know, whether you sell into other countries, you have uh, entities, offices set up in other countries, there's a good chance you've probably heard the term guilty. Um, but we'll get into it. It stands for Global Intangible Low-Taxed Income. Again, it's a new concept that came about as a result of tax law changes uh, from the, from the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Derek, maybe talk a little bit about what it is, because I think for me, old school was, you know, we talked a lot about BEPS, uh, you know, shifting income offshore, and this is kind of a result, a little bit of all that. Yeah, yeah, so just a little bit of brief history and background. Um, historically, if a U.S. company set up a subsidiary in a foreign country, uh, the earnings of that subsidiary would not be taxed in the U.S. until they were brought back. And so, except for some other minor cases of subpart F income, which we're not going to get into on this talk right now. Um, But that resulted in a lot of companies having a bunch of cash offshore that they were not bringing back into the U.S. because they didn't want to pay U.S. tax on it. Um, And it was always an issue from an accounting perspective, like the term repatriation. What are you doing with those earnings? Are you bringing them back? Because if you are... You know, from an owner and an accounting and just a tax perspective, if you bring it back, there's all sorts of implications. If you keep it over there, we, we sort of defer to another day, right? I right. mean, it's essentially right. kind of the, what had happened back in the past. Right. 
That's right. And so a part of the, the tax reform bill that was passed at the end of 2017 was to put in place a foreign dividends received deduction to encourage and allow companies to be able to bring that cash back into the U.S. and not pay additional tax on it. And so that general rule says that if you have those earnings, you can bring them back into the U.S. and not pay U.S. tax on it. But because of that, Congress was worried that it would incentivize companies to put even more profits overseas in low-tax locations, pay no tax on it or little tax on it over there, bring it back tax-free, and then all of a sudden you have a bunch of income that you've either paid very little or no tax on. And so to avoid that, Congress put in these guilty provisions. And the guilty provisions essentially say that if you have certain type of income in your foreign subsidiaries, and we can get more into detail in that as we talk what that is, then that income will be a deemed dividend income inclusion in the U.S. So the U.S. shareholder, whether it's company, corporation, individual, we can talk about the differences, um, would now have to pick up that income and pay U.S. tax on it currently. And um, that's why the guilty provisions come into play. And that's really what guilty is, is it's a, it's a deemed dividend of the foreign earnings that will be included in the U.S. shareholders' income for the year in which they're earned. Maybe, so again, maybe the umbrella over this conversation with the tax law changes, we used to have a, a corporate tax rate of 35%. That dropped to 21 So in an effort to become more competitive on a global basis, if you're set up as a C corporation in the United States, you're, that entity's tax rate is now 21%, not 35 which is a huge benefit and definitely makes us more competitive. With that comes these complications with this foreign stuff. Maybe, maybe talk about like big picture. What is the U.S. trying to do? Uh, we hear in the news we're trying to make companies more competitive and bring jobs back to the U.S., bring cash back to the U.S. How does guilty help that? Or how you know, maybe help a listener understand. Okay, technical provisions, guilty, and these other things. But how is it helping us? Is it making us more competitive? Yeah. Is it better for companies than what we had? Yeah, good question. So um, my whole career in international tax, you kind of start with one simple goal, and that was get any profits that you can taxed outside the U.S., and you're going to be better off. Because as you pointed out, the, the federal tax rate in the U.S. was 35%. When you layer on state, most companies were paying around 40%. Um, that did put us at the highest corporate income tax rate in the world. And so, and that coupled with the fact that you could defer U.S. tax on all those earnings earned overseas until you brought them back, really incentivized companies to put as much profit outside the U.S. as possible. And with that, we saw Apple's going to Ireland. We saw Google's doing all this stuff in Europe. Everybody was moving, you know, their non-U.S. principal company to somewhere else, right, and running earnings through there. And we saw a lot of that stuff. Starbucks, everything was in the Wall Street Journal, right? That was in response to what you just said, basically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a lot of companies shifting a lot of profits offshore and a lot of cash that was not being brought back into the U.S. Um, and so the combination of, you know, a bunch of provisions in the new law really tried to incentivize companies to, to, to have more earnings and bring cash and have valuable, high value add, intangible property in the U.S. And 
That is a combination of the lowering of the corporate tax rate to 21%, which does make us you know, on par with a lot of the developed countries. So there's some countries that are still lower than us. Uh, some main developed countries like the UK is 19% currently going down to 17. Um, you know, a few other countries that are lower. But then there are also some that are slightly higher, but most European countries and even a lot of Asian countries are in the 20 to 30% range. And so we're kind of right in that range. Um, and so that helped us. The fact that they put in the guilty provision made it so that it's incentivizing companies to you know, keep profits in the US. You're not as incentivized to push it offshore. Coupled with the FDII, which is an additional benefit, so that stands for Foreign Derived Intangible Income, which is a benefit for U.S. companies who have foreign sales to keep the, the profits related to those sales in the U.S. and you get an additional benefit and deduction there. So um, the combination of these really was meant to incentivize companies to keep profits and high value added intangibles in the U.S. Um, there's an area where we can get into that that I think some of the incentives might have been misaligned when it comes to manufacturing and, and heavy asset type businesses. But but in general, the goal was to make us more competitive and I think we have. So it's a lot to you know, a lot to take in. We'll probably have some follow up podcasts to address specifics and go deeper. So if if you're a, if you're listening and you're a business owner you're someone who's done uh, business domestically, and you're considering going, you know, expanding internationally. You're, uh, you know, you have a company that you you think you've maybe tapped the U.S. markets to a certain extent, and that you want to start expanding. What what should they be thinking about from a tax perspective? Like, what's a good profile of someone that could benefit from, you know, this kind of thing? Yeah, so um, if, if you're that scenario where you're thinking, now I want to expand my business outside the U.S., there's a few things to think about. Um, usually you pick the location, the region, or even the country that you want to go to, and, and that depends on your business, what makes most sense. The most common first locations that I see our clients going into are places like U.K., Canada, and Australia not only because they're English speaking, but culturally it's similar. So a lot of products translate there. And that's a, for those that don't know, sometimes there's a, a misperception that, oh, that's a tax, that's a tax driven decision when really it shouldn't be, right? It right. should be business driven. What makes sense for my product? Uh, if I need to hire people, engineers, English speaking, really that's, that's a business driven decision, not a tax driven decision. That's right. Yeah, where you go should definitely be a, a business driven decision. Um, where where you think you can, you know, capitalize on the market and the opportunities there. So that's kind of the first step is deciding where and then you need to go through and, and there's the US tax impacts and there's the local country tax impacts. So you need to think about what am I going to do in the local country? How am I going to register for taxes? Am I going to have an indirect tax like VAT? Those types of things I'll have to think about. And then on the U.S. side, you think about now you're going to set up, one, do I have to set up a subsidiary? And if you're going to have a presence there and hire people, the answer is most likely yes. And then if you set up that subsidiary that's wholly owned subsidiary of the U.S., 
the next step is to think about from a US tax perspective how you want that subsidiary to be taxed so in the US you can make an election to treat that entity as a flow through or as a separate corporation that just impacts how the income of that subsidiary flows through and gets reported on your US tax return um, so once you've decided kind of how you're going to set that up you also need to think well what's your long-term plan so is this you know one country in 15 that we're going to go into in the next two years and if that's the case then you also should be thinking about kind of broader um, structuring planning of you know do I want to set up holding companies and those types of things all of these are impacted by guilty and the new provisions we've been discussing so once you set up that foreign subsidiary and you determine how much profits they're going to have then that helps you determine well what's my guilty implication how how will that be taxed in the US how will it impact my US tax liability and also my foreign tax credit which we haven't talked about yet but you know as you have this foreign income and you're paying tax in foreign countries now you could potentially pick up the income but in the US you also should likely be able to take a foreign tax credit so and we mentioned at the beginning, and I want to just mention here that that guilty, you know, it is it is really a deemed distribution of profits from the foreign country to the U.S. But if you're paying a high tax rate in that country on those profits, and high tax rate is is really more than 15 percent, and you're able to take full advantage of foreign tax credits in the U.S., then you might not have an additional tax liability. Um, but you have to meet those hurdles. And so there are you know, a couple of, of things that, that you have to get through. So just to kind of break it down a little bit more, the guilty, the global intangible low taxed income, it really doesn't necessarily have to be low taxed and it doesn't have to be intangible in order to be included in the US income and create a liability. But if you do pay tax there, you can take a credit in the US and offset that. So these are all sort of the things, I know it's a lot to, to Yeah, it's digest. definitely a lot to unpack. But these are all the things to think about when you start expanding overseas and setting up subsidiaries. I think the the takeaway for a listener, right, that's that's starting to go, oh man, how do I even begin to think about this? What I would what I would suggest, if you're going down this road, great, right? You have a you have somebody that might have experience in a foreign market, and they say we need we need to expand, we need to open an office, we need to hire people. Hey, that's great. With that bring somebody from the international tax side to the table to help hear the facts, hear what wants to be done. You know, these are our goals. This is what we want to do from a business perspective. And then they can layer on top. Here are some considerations from a tax perspective. I think probably the worst answer is, you know, we've got a gung ho salesperson that knows the UK really well. They open up an office, hire a few people, and then you know a year later they tell their finance group that hey, we've got an office and we've been doing business in the UK. FYI, uh, make sure you get that on the tax return right. And fr- in that scenario, you have all sorts of problems, right? So I think the the key message here is the international tax arena is complicated, but it should be dovetailed with the company's international expansion strategy and the two can talk through things and the tax isn't going to necessarily drive the decision but there's going to be some layer on effects and you know that that give and take you'll get to a right answer eventually I think 
But if you don't include the finance team, the international tax person, uh, that advice, you could end up with a wicked answer that's not very good. That's right. So um, there are some things that you can do to mitigate or reduce your tax liability without too much effort. So without changing business operations or those types of things, you can make elections from a U.S. tax perspective or other things that can mitigate the liability. And also it's important to make sure that you're not picking up risks that you might be unaware of. So making sure that you're not building up some huge liabilities that are gonna come back and bite you at some point in the future. So it certainly is to be recommended to be out in front of these issues from the very beginning, be involved as the company's expanding, making sure that you're avoiding risks and also you know, mitigating liability to where you can. And we're starting to see that you know, as a firm and as uh, as professionals, whereas maybe 10 years ago, you know, companies that were, you know, $10 million in top line revenue, you know, weren't really looking to expand in, in foreign jurisdictions. Today, we're seeing companies with less top line already going into foreign countries. And so it's an issue earlier for a lot younger companies, whereas in the past, it might have been your really established 20 year plus companies that then start going into foreign you know your SaaS based tech company um, that has five million in top line revenue they're going international they're selling they have VAT issues they have other issues so it, it definitely is starting to impact younger smaller companies faster than what we've seen in the past I think right yeah yeah their companies are expanding faster I think you know one just because of globalization in general it's a lot easier to you know travel and interact with foreign countries but also as you mentioned with the, the rise of the tech industry uh, a lot of tech companies can easily license their software to someone in Europe as they can just down the road and so um, it really it really is impacting more companies earlier on in their stage than you might think so we've talked about a lot we could be here another three hours um, I think we cut it off here. Uh, let listeners take it all in. Again, from a from just a go forward perspective, we will do some more episodes. Maybe what you know, some where we'll get into a guilty calc, or we'll get into more specifics of you know what does an entity structure look like that optimizes, or maybe what what's the benefit of modeling. But maybe for t- today, we let it lie. Let people take it all in and. We follow up later with some more good stuff. Yeah, I think... Any parting shots? No, I think the takeaways are, just as you you discussed, you know, especially if you're expanding overseas, and even if you're not setting up a subsidiary, if you're starting to sell a lot outside the U.S., um, you should think about what are the tax implications, and especially this new law, what are my requirements, and where could I potentially save some money? And, And that's the big takeaway because there's not a one-size-fits-all answer. It's it'll just last thing I'll mention is that the guilty FDI, these things impact, you know, C corporations in the U.S. differently than they do flow through S corps or LLC companies. So you really need to look at your specific profile and then think through the issues. All right. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Gary. We'll be back soon. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure.